good morning, family. It's a pleasure to be here again. Is Ron here? Is he? Okay. Well, it matters not. He, he's, a, he's a definitely a good friend. Uh, we've known each other since the 70s, if you can imagine. How many of you weren't born then? Raise your hands, okay? <laughs> See, we've known each other a long time, and we've had chance to go through thick and thin, thin things together. It's bonded us as brothers. Um, so obviously, I'm with you. Um, daily in prayer uh, for Pastor Ron, and please don't, don't let that slide. Please remember to focus on praying for Ron. I believe in miracles, amen? amen. Oh my goodness, you responded. Friday night, Friday night was a little testing for me. There's, you know, you just, wow. Um, because the way some of us work, we, we feed off the response we get or don't get. Okay? So if you want the best sermon, Respond. If you get tired of me in the first five minutes, then just sit there and don't do anything. All right? But I, I want you to know I, it's a pleasure for me to be here, and my brothers who are here are, are, are like my uh, blood brothers. They, we, we meet together weekly. We go through the scriptures. We exhort one another. We share with one another. We take each other to task, and, and they decided that today they wanted to, to, to come and, and, and visit and support. So uh, mahalo to them. Um, and especially to, to Ted, he belongs to another uh, group that I'm a part of, and he's here. I'm just amazed that they're, they're here. You, you know, aren't you amazed when people come to support you? You're wondering, don't they have a life? <laughs> I, I'm wondering. Good gracious. And they also have their own churches. What are they doing here? But I really appreciate it. And then Jen. I, how many of you guys know Jen? She doesn't live here anymore. She lives in the Big Island, right? I'm sorry? That's the Big Island. She lives in Oregon now. She was one of my kids in high school back in the, we'll say the 2000s. <laughs> Way back when, and I had the privilege of marrying she and, and, and a, a gentleman I love very dearly, Mitz. And this is, what year was that, Jen? 2008? 2008. And now they have a couple of beautiful boys. I just, it's just a pleasure to be here and, and to connect with you again. Now, I, I'm going to confess some things here. How many of you heard of me? At least four of you, right? Okay, good. <clears throat> I think because of that, I want to offer some, uh, some, some confessions in light of that. I'm just a, a regular person, and Ron will tell you that. We, we golf together. He can tell you how earthly we are. <laughs> We're just regular people. God has placed a burden on my heart to preach his word, to know his word. But more importantly, to know him. You see keys to godly discipleship. And that's what I'm, I, I understand you're going through. Is that right? Discipleship. But here's where discipleship begins. Are you ready? Stand up. Turn to the people in back of you, in front of you, one at a time. Do not do a group thing and tell them, I love you. Do that, please. Love you. And tell Mitz too. And the boys. Tell them. All right. Please be seated. If no one's given you a definition of discipleship, that's it. 
What we are called to do is to love one another. And incidentally, what we have is we have the greatest message ever of eternal life that goes along every time we love somebody. And please know, I'm not talking about preaching. I'm not talking about doing Bible study. I'm not talking about anything but loving one another. That's godly discipleship. Jesus had, and we're going to take a look at this. We're looking at Luke 5, and I think all of you have heard about this passage before. Is that correct? Okay, just nod yes anyway. <laughs> Give me some encouragement here. Luke 5, 1 through 11, and here's what this is about. Luke 5 is simply 1 through 11 about Jesus calling his disciples. He's teaching. He's being crowded. He's been, he's been buffeted, and, 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 and everybody wants to hear. He's so popular. His, his his reputation has gone out. Everybody wants to hear what he has to say because it is different. It has authority and it's holy. People want that. They needed that. By the way, so do we today. We need more holiness in our lives 24-7. But here's what happens. He's seeing that he, he can reach more people if he can be separated from them and not, not confined so he gets in one of the two boats that's out there. He doesn't even ask. He just gets in the boat, and he says, oh, please take me out so I can talk to people. So he comes away from the shore. He's in the boat. So now he can speak to literally hundreds instead of just 40 or 50 people. Do you understand that? Always the master communicator. Just brilliant. And then after that happens, um, it's very simple. You got to remember, these fishermen have been fishing all day. They come in. They're skunked. Anybody know what skunked is? How many fishermen we got in here? You know what? And it doesn't feel good, does it? And you're tired. The last thing you want to hear somebody says to you is, let's go fishing again. Come, we'll go. What? I'm tired. I, I, I'm mending my nets. I, I'm getting ready <laughs> to go home. Take me out. Put your nets in the water. And you all know what happens. They catch so much fish that they call their friends. The friends come in, all right? And they, have, and they load the boats. And that's when Peter understands <sighs> something is different about this one called Jesus. Because we're overflowing with fish. Something is different. So he says this, which is, mark my words, we all would say if we were in Peter's position, Get away from me, for I am sinful. When we meet holy, I can guarantee you, we're not just going to go open arms and say, hey, hey, what's up? We are going to be real careful. Because holy, when we are confronted by holy, does something to us inside. And it did that to Peter. And Jesus, lovingly as he ever is, and will do for you and for me, what does he do? He says, Peter, now, guess what? I'm going to cause you to be a fisher of men. Now, think about that. I mean, I don't know if Peter got it, but think about that. He just caught an enormous amount of fish, and what's happening now? Jesus is telling him now he's going to be fishing for men. I'm pretty sure he didn't quite get it. Huh. How many of us get it? Do we know that that's what our job is now? This passage, yeah, this passage is about calling of disciples. But it begins the discipleship process. Just like he's called you and me to do. 
We begin the process, and the way we do this is responding to Jesus first. That's it. And I'm praying that all of us here have either responded or are considering responding to Jesus' call to come and follow me just exactly like Peter did. Exactly like he did. But it takes more than we think. Now, the reason why I'm calling my, or, or labeling this godly discipleship is very simple. Luke 5, 1 through 11, just talks about his calling of the disciples, but what's behind calling the disciples? Well, of course, his father, and, and he had a plan, so he came over here. He's here to fulfill his plan. I understand that. We all have plans, and we all know what we need to do from day to day, but what, what is this all about? What, what's behind Luke 5? And, and here's what I have to admit. Luke 5, 1 through 11, is Jesus calling his disciples, but I'm not going to talk about that directly, but indirectly. And here's what I mean. There are reasons why Jesus is calling his disciples. And I want to find out what those reasons are, don't you? Of course, all of you already know because you've been under Ron's tutelage. He's a great teacher, and I know that, by the way, personally. And I know that. But I want to remind us of some things of why Jesus is calling his disciples, why discipleship is so monumental, so epic for him and his plans for you and for me. Because you and I are the results of this discipleship. Isn't that great? Just, can you just, and this is a risk, I know, but this is my style. Just, just kind of go with it, with you? Just turn to the person next to you and just tell them, Jesus wants you as a disciple. Just tell them that, please. Now, that either makes you comfortable or you're going, what the heck does that mean? Because we all do. What, what, is, what does being a disciple mean? What I intend to do is to, to, to look at um, this passage to figure it out. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are the master discipler. I just love what I, what I can see in the Gospels and even read from Paul, but I love what I see in what you do with people. That's discipleship. The most important thing you did was love people no matter who they were, where they were, what station in life they had. You just flat out loved people. If there's anything that we learn this day, may it be that, that we love all those that you send to us. Amen. I'm going to begin with an illustration. There once was a, a gentleman who went through the Naval Academy. He did very well, graduated top of his class, and um, rose to the rank of admiral at a very early age. So one night he was out on the Pacific, and he saw this light fastly approaching his ship. So he sent a message to the light, alter your course 10 degrees. Back came the message from the light, and it said, not surprisingly, alter your course 10 degrees. It looks like eagles are getting in the way over here, doesn't it? You, you don't know what that is, right, eagles? Okay. So the next message sent was, this is Admiral Norman Hong. He, he's my buddy, by the way. I can do this, all right? This is Admiral Norman Hong. Alter your course 10 degrees. Well, back came the message. This is Seaman First Class. 
Ron Arnold. <laughs> Alter your course 10 degrees. Well, at this, the admiral, he knows he has a trump card. So he sent his message in. It says, this is Admiral Norman Hong, and this is a nuclear-armed battleship. Alter your course 10 degrees. There was a pause, because Ron does that. <laughs> and back came the message. This is Seaman First Class Ron Arnold, and this is a lighthouse. Alter your course 10 degrees. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. My point is this, perspective, point of view, context, affects, and even our experiences, and even hope, affects what we see, what we know, what we think we know. And what I want to do with this passage is go behind it and search the context and take a look at Christ's point of view. And I'm even going to use Luke to do this um, almost entirely, or if not true, I'm going to use John and and Matthew, but I'm going to use Luke almost exclusively. When we take a look, the first slide, please, and I, I want you to read this with me. And if you're taking notes, and by the way, you're not required to take notes, okay? It's just something if you want to take a look at later, because God's going to quiz you on this, okay? <laughs> the first bullet, knowing, embracing, and enjoying Abba, and I call him Abba. It, it's, it's a more intimate name for my Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Father, so I'm calling him I call him Abba. Everybody say Abba. Abba. Are you used to using the name Abba at all? Not really? Okay, well, if you will forgive me, that's my, my context. That's what I do. So please just understand I'm talking about our Heavenly Father. Knowing, embracing, and enjoying Abba, your Heavenly Father. Let me repeat that. Well, no. You read it with me. Ready? Go. Especially knowing him. You know, I, I, I've been around for a couple of years now. I've been a, a pastor for almost 47 years. And what I find is that there are people who know about Abba, about our Heavenly Father, but they haven't taken enough time, in my estimation, to know him. It's the difference. Like, I have a How many of you have fathers? Those of you who are not raising your hand... I got news for you. <laughs> the difference is knowing about your father. Oh, my dad works for Hawaiian Airlines. Oh, my dad is a Lions member. Oh, my dad plays softball. Oh, my dad's a golfer. I know about him. The difference is knowing him. I know his hurts. I know his joys. I don't want to know about my father. I want to know my father. You get the difference, folks? Too many times, and you know, this is the way I was brought up. You got to know about God. So I made my journey knowing about God without knowing him. So my encouragement to you, know your father. What does that look like? What is, it's going to take three things. Are you ready? You, you, you want to put this in your notes because this is brilliant. Three things it takes. Ready? It takes time. T-I-M-E. Secondly, are you ready? It takes more time. So third, you can guess. Guess what it takes? Wait, wait. What was that? It takes more time. It takes time, time, time. There is no shortcut in this deal. 
You got to get to know your Heavenly Father, and the only way you can do it is to spend time. Time. Time which you and I think are so valuable that we don't ascribe and, and we don't spend time getting to know our Father by earmarking, by protecting our time with our Father. And, and let me also issue a note here just for fun. I think I'm moving in this direction that maybe somewhat I need to adjust what I've been taught for the last 40 years. Because it's all been about Jesus and it should be about Jesus because he's the one that saved my life. I have eternal life because of his work on the cross, right? But if you go through the scriptures, what you will see is Jesus never pointed to himself. If you go through the gospels, you will always see that he points to whom? Everybody say it louder, please. The Father. I've missed this all this, these years. I've never pointed to the Father. Well, Jesus said, he, you know, if you see me, you, you, you see the Father. So I, why do I need to know the Father? Because there is a difference. It's a triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We venerate, we lift up Jesus, and we should, but we also should lift up Abba, our Father. Spend time with Abba. I know for some of you it's a new concept. And some of you are looking like me, like I'm a heretic, and I might be. I want you to know that. But it's my firm conviction that I need to spend time with my Father. Our Father, our Heavenly Father. So know your Father, and then not only know your Father, embrace your Father. That's what He wants. He's always out there. My dad was always like that. He always had his arms open wide, and he embraced me all the time. Boy, that felt good. I can still remember. He was 6'2", 350. When you were hugged, you were hugged. <laughs> no escape. I loved it. Don't you think our Heavenly Father wants to do the same to each of us? And He's reaching out to us. And how many times have we just kind of... Uh, let me talk to your son. Let me pray to your son. Thank you, but I'm... Going to see your son. Don't bypass the father. Embrace the father and enjoy him. I, I'm meeting too many people, and I think I understand why. I'm meeting two people that don't enjoy being with the father. Don't enjoy being with the You know why? Well, all you got to do is ask yourself the question is, how come you haven't spent time with the father yourself? I know for me, <laughs> I, I avoided the father seriously a long time in my life. Why? Because I felt guilty. How many of you have ever felt guilty? Okay, that's about eight of us, right? The rest of you, you should feel guilty because you just lied. We all, come on. We, 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 we all fall short of who God has created us to be. We all fall short of His glory. That's who we are. We will never be complete unless we are in Jesus Christ, His Son, and then we can go to the Father completely clean. And that's what we need to see. And we need to enjoy that. We, we, we need to know annoying, embracing, and enjoying is incredible. Please put up the scripture for that, please. This is from Luke 2. Everybody read with me, please. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my Father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, his parents. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Man, that's, that's, 
I, whenever I read that, it just, it just makes me stop. Mary got it. Mary knew. Now, please, um, let's think about this. You know this, this is Passover, right? They live in, where do they live? Nazareth. Okay, the pastor is answering here. This is a little dangerous here. Okay. They live in Nazareth, and they have to travel 80, 90 miles to what city? Be confident. Jerusalem. Is this coming to Christian church? Okay. To Jerusalem. Travel. Go. Okay. So when you get down there, um, it's Passover. And, and, and Jesus has been doing this for 12 years now. So what he does is he takes the liberty. <laughs> he takes the liberty of not telling his parents he's not leaving. He stays. They leave for a day. And after a day, they figure out, let's go find out where Jesus is. They can't find him. Then they understand he's not there. They think he's still back there. So remember, it's already a day. So they take another day to come back, and they spend three days trying to find him. That's five. How many days? Everybody say five. five. How many of you let your 12-year-old go someplace five days without finding out where they were? Well, how many of you did that when you were 12? <laughs> that doesn't happen in any culture that I know of. 12-year-olds, they don't know what they're doing out there. Mm. except for Jesus. So when they finally find him, he's in the temple and says, didn't you know, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? See, he knows his father. Whatever has happened in the 12 years, he has understood, he has formed a, a, a relationship, a bond with his father. He knows where he should be. He's not meaning any disrespect to Joseph. But he says, don't you know this is where I'm going to be in my, in my father's house. He knew who he was. He knew who he was because he knew his father. And then even more so than that, which is kind of encouraging to me, he knew he was where he belonged and that he was safe. And that will always be the case, by the way, when we're our father. We'll always be safe. You gotta believe that. You gotta trust that. You gotta be confident in that because that's what drives me to my father every day. And it should drive all of us to our fathers, every, our Heavenly Father, every day. See, when, when we take a look at this, here's what we're seeing we're seeing Jesus use mm, a calling some interesting folks, right? The disciples. Uh, we see the kind of lifestyle, we see all the arguments they go through, they're interesting folks. But so are we, aren't we not? Look at the person next to you. Are they perfect? Look at them. No, I didn't say laugh at them. I said look at them. <laughs> but Jesus is intending, this is what is interesting to me. Jesus is intending, by calling his disciples, he reveals our Father's will, Heavenly Father's will. But he's also saying, to Peter, you're the one that's going to carry out my father's will. So his plan is to use us. So to me, this is, is, a, this is a tremendous formula uh, for failure <laughs> or the greatest evidence of love. The greatest evidence of love that we would be so privileged to be asked to partner with our father to reach the people that he loves. So we're invaluable, irreplaceable, and worthy. Everybody. And I know you don't believe that, by the way. I've been around way too long for people to, to tell me, oh, yeah, I'm, 
trust me, Pastor, I know this. I am in value. I am irreplaceable. I am worthy. <laughs> Look at your response to me right now. Okay, turn to the person next to you and tell them, I am worthy. I'm invaluable. I'm irreplaceable. And I'm trying to believe that. It's not dependent upon us and our declaration whether we are these three or not. It's dependent upon the work of the, on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes it. It's not us. Don't look at yourself. Don't. Because what you'll see, and if, if, if you're like me, I have a bank here, a, a memory bank, and it goes right to that disc that shows me everything I've done wrong. Take the disc out. Put it in its place what God thinks of us. Because I'm going to tell you this. Because we are invaluable, irreplaceable, and worthy, we are God's hope for this world. Do you ever see that? Do you ever look at yourself that way? You are God's hope. So repeat after me. I am my heavenly Father's Hope for my spouse. Okay, say that again. Hope for my spouse and mean it. For my family. Hope for my family. Hope for my friends. Hope for my neighbors. Hope for those who don't like me. Hope, that, hope for those who are my enemies. Actually, anybody. We are the hope. That's what he's given to us. Okay, now we need to move on, yeah? Okay. I, <laughs> Friday night, I, I messed it up completely. I, I, I designed something and then all of a sudden found out that I didn't have the time that I thought I had. So I had to go home and edit over 200 words out of the sermon. Um, and this is what you're, you're, you're getting today. Um, Friday, it was, it was fun. <clears throat> Secondly, Oh, um, yeah, secondly, here's what I want to do. Here, here, here's what I want to, to move into. Remember again, what we are seeing with, with, our, with our Lord is he, um, he, he exhibits how he knows his father. Twelve years old, didn't you know I was going to be in my father's house? And when you take a look at, at the book of John, you see all those statements that he makes about his father. The father and I are one. If you see me, you see the father. The father. What the Father does, the Son does. No one comes to the Father but through me. The Father is greater than I. See, the, the radiation of the respect and love for one another is off the charts. And ours should be too. The more time we spend with our Father and our Lord, the more we will begin to understand that kind of relationship that they have. But again, it takes three things. What are they? Time. Time, time, time. All right. Now, not only did, um, did Jesus know his father, his father affirmed his identity, his legitimacy, and gave him approval. Um, that's number two. Am I still following my outline? Yeah, because I completely didn't do that Friday night. I want to do that today. 
And here's the verse. Please pull up the verse. It's so simple. The verse is crazy. Oh, yeah, it's not there. I, I forgot. I didn't give it to Tim. And by the way, I, I don't know if you guys do this, and they don't expect this, but can we have for the people who, who worship, let us know worship, and for Tim, and, and I can't even see who else is out there, let's give them a hand, please. They don't look for that. But it's my firm conviction that we need, we need to honor those who are behind the scenes all the time. Now, they get even embarrassed when you honor them, but please don't stop honoring them. When you see them, embrace them. Let them know, thank you for helping me to worship today, especially the music. I was just blown away again, again, so mahalo. But listen, when we take a look at the verses that I want to take a look at, and it's in Luke chapter 3, if you're going to look it up, and it's actually Christ's baptism. What happens is his baptism is really simple. Um, he, uh, John, remember John? John, I call him JB. That's my affectionate name for him. J, John the Baptist was doing his thing, and he comes to be baptized. And then Jesus comes in, and God the Father in heavenly form comes through a dove and rests upon him and says, This is my son whom I love, and I am well pleased. Repeat after me. This is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Please, uh, oh, we don't have the verse, but please know that those are the most significant words in all, in any language for all peoples of all time. Right then, Jesus' identity is established as God's son. Now, we already know he knew that. He's age 30 now. He's already seen that. But God the Father declares this publicly. This is my son. Identity knows who he is. Uh, you know, it, pastors, we meet a lot of folks who are searching for who they are all the time. Throughout my career, that's one of the cries of the heart of people. Who am I? Why am I here? Jesus knew. He was God's son. Now, what has that got to do with you? Because as we see and read further on, as, as uh, we, uh, the scriptures unfold, especially in the New Testament, we see, and especially from Jesus, if you and I receive Jesus, receive what he's done on the cross, guess what you are? Blessed, yes, I know. Say it, please. We are sons and daughters of the God Most High. That is an office, that's an identity that nothing and no one can get to you but through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. You are sons and daughters. And I don't, don't that's really nice. Oh, I like my son, I like my daughter, that's nice. No, don't take it that way. Your identity in Christ it what, is what fuels and gives you the foundation from which to do anything that you desire that he calls you to. Without that, we wander. W-A-N-D-E-R. We wander. And we wonder, who the heck am I? I went through this period when I was in college. I didn't know who the heck I was. I had a difficult time. I, I would go to one group one day and go to another group another day. And if you're like me, then you become schizophrenic because this is who you were. These guys... Then when you were these guys, you were somebody else. And when you were these guys, you were somebody else. And at the end of the day, you didn't know who you were. <laughs> Maybe some of us are still that way. And all I've got to tell you is identity in God the Father. When he, 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 he wants to give us that identity. And when we become his child, he says, you are mine. 
You get that? You are mine. You don't belong to anybody else. And then, not only that, he gives legitimacy. And I don't know if this is tied into the fact that everybody had the rumor going around, hey, Jesus, you know, Joseph is not Jesus' father, you know. You remember that rumor? Insidious as it is, and God gives him legitimacy. You are my son. It's much greater than what's going on this earth. You are my heavenly son. And he's saying the same thing about all of us who are worried about identity and our legitimacy. It doesn't matter. We belong to God our Father. He's claimed you. Are you excited about that? Do you claim that yourselves? Do you practice that? Do you enjoy that? You should. And that's why I say um, we, we need to know that fact that we are sons and daughters. We need to embrace it, mind, soul, spirit, every day. And we need to enjoy the fact that we're his sons and daughters because of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? I, I, I tell you, that to me is just incredible. Now, this last point, I have one minute and my time is up. <laughs> it is what it is. So point, put up number three, Tim, please. Knowing, oh, read it with me, please. Okay, we have to know this is what he's called. And that's, you know, when we take a look, uh, this is in uh, Luke 4, and it was very short. What happened is he was doing so many good things with people. The teachings that he was doing were just turning lives around. The miracles were just bringing people by the thousands to him. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to convince him to stay where he was. They didn't want him to go anyplace else. Thankfully, he knew his mission. It wasn't just to that town. It was eventually to all of uh, Judea, all of Israel, and the whole world, including Hawaii, you and me. Because if he had stayed, you and I would possibly have never heard about Jesus. He knew his mission. And then what he did, at, at the end there, when he was going to heaven, he gave that same mission to you and me. You and me. You, we have the same mission. Isn't that great? Well, I think it's great. <laughs> the mission is this. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. Now, I just want to point out one thing. That commission, we call it the Great Commission. That Great Commission is, is almost too simple, and in the English, it doesn't quite communicate. Not, not the way I would want it to communicate. Because if you take a look at the Greek, and I try not to, by the way, but if you take a look at the Greek, here's what you're going to find. Make disciples is the only verb. See, it should actually read, as you are going, as you are teaching, as you are baptizing, Make disciples. It seems as though make disciples is, the, is the, uh, the injunction he's given us. And while we're doing these other things, we make disciples. So wherever you are, at work, when, you go, when you go to work, how many of you guys work? For pay. Okay. When you go to work, your job of going to work is so that you can do what? Say it. Make disciples. 
You knew this already. You're just kind of playing with me, aren't you? Yeah. When you go to family reunions and all that hakakad is going on with each other, you're there to be at family reunions to do what? And then when you, go, when you play golf and you use those language, what are you there for? It doesn't matter what you do. You're there to make disciples, period. End of story. That's what we were sent to do. That's our mission. Embrace that mission because it's ours. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't deny it. And enjoy it. Oh, my goodness. If you think God is in the business of just trying to make you miserable, you're following the wrong God. Doesn't mean you won't have trials. You will. Because you're not going to be any different from me. But you need to enjoy that. Okay, um, we, we got to uh, cut this down. I went over again. I know. Okay. <laughs> Three things. First, make sure that what we are about is knowing our Father, not knowing about our Father. Secondly, freely receive. If you've received Jesus, freely receive Jesus and receive your identity as a son or daughter of God. And then please accept, lastly, your, your mission. See, if you don't do that, you'll be miserable even if you receive your identity and you don't know why you are who you are as God's sons and daughters. If you don't complete the mission, you're incomplete. You need to know the Father. You need to know your identity. And then you need to make disciples. It comes as a whole. How many of you only like to eat half a pie? Nobody does. Eat the whole pie. And I guarantee that you will be, you will be blessed richly. And my only prayer for you is to, to understand this direction you're going in discipleship for your church. Because that is what we're supposed to be about. I am so happy and, and proud to be a part of Kaimiki Christian to even see that that's what this church is doing, is making disciples. And as you go every day, may he bless you and give you insight so that you can discern and define your mission. Let us pray. Lord, uh, it's taken me a long time, long time, to, to see what you want me to see. And, and I pray that in some small measure to some folks here who may uh, get a glimpse a little bit more about what discipleship is, who they should be, who they are in you, how much you love them, and then the, the great privilege that we have been given to make disciples, that I pray that, that they too may go boldly into this world knowing who they are. And Lord, I also pray for those who may be searching, looking, wanting to know and understand what is this all about? I pray, Lord, if, if anyone is, is in that place, that they would seek you. Get together with, with the staff that's here. Let them know their desires to want to be your disciple. Pray blessings upon these folks this day. For you, Father God, have always desired to be our Heavenly Father, loving us and blessing us every day. And I pray this in your blessed name, Abba. Amen.